0: Sinners plunged beneath that flood There's wonderful power in the plot.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining me again today as we study carefully what happened between Moses and Pharaoh. This whole story of Moses and Pharaoh is the cosmic battle going on between the Lord's emissary, Moses, and the devil's emissary, Pharaoh. It is a shadow of what's going to happen at the end of time. We're going to study that later. But today, as we've been looking at these plagues that have been falling, the, the plague of judgment, of blood all over the land, the Nile turned to blood. Thirsty, everyone's thirsty. Even in their water pots, it has turned to blood. They're having to dig special wells to try to find fresh water. Then comes the frogs, the unclean spirits. Then, number three, comes this devastation of gnats, lice, unclean, dirty, reminding man that they too are going to return to the dust. And then God makes a difference between the Egyptians and his people. Flies come. Satan is Lord of the flies. But it's interesting, in the Hebrew, it's not just flies. It's flying insects, biting, burning insects that torment. And then comes the devastation on their livestock as their cattle and donkeys, as their sheep, they all die. Then comes the boils and the hail and the lightning. But to just go through all of these plagues will not have much meaning for you unless I stop now and take some time to outline what's really going on, the inside scoop on what's happening. So let's draw out now some lessons of what it means to follow Jesus out into the desert, because that's what was being called for. They were being called to walk out into the desert, a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices. Let me read it for you. This is found in the third chapter of Exodus, beginning with verse 18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Sacrifices. What's that about? Well, the children of Israel are in bondage. They're in slavery, in Egypt, and Egypt is a symbol of the world. And so the first thing that any person faces is the necessity of offering sacrifices. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So blood must be shed before a person can serve the Lord. Now, there's only one sacrifice offered while the children of Israel are in the world, in Egypt. And this is an important sacrifice. It's called the Passover. It is where a person has made the decision in the world that they want to leave the world and they want to follow the Lord God of heaven. But they're still in the world but special provision is made for them through the blood of Jesus. If they will take the first steps of separating themselves from the Egyptians, and by faith, they will claim the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. So they offered the sacrificial lamb, and they, using hyssop, applied the blood to both sides of their doors, and the lintel above the door, symbolizing they were safe under that blood, as the destroying angel passes over. Literally, it is the pasach in the Hebrew. It is the wing of God that is being covering for their heart, for their life. In other words, the wing of God is now extended in mercy over the children of Israel because of that blood on their doors. Now, are they saved? No, they're not. They're still in Egypt. But they have applied for the claim of God to serve him, even though they're still in the midst of the world, the flesh and the devil. And the wing of God extends. Now, if this were not possible, the devil would kill everybody who tried to leave Egypt to serve the Lord God. But he can't because the wing of God, the Pesach, the wing of God covers over them. And their life is spared as they make their way. Now, you remember, I've shared with you many times the story that John Bunyan wrote, Pilgrim's Progress and Pilgrim as he leaves the city of destruction and makes his way toward the gate, the enemy's arrows are flying, trying to kill those who are trying to enter the gate. But the gate is opened, the narrow gate is opened, and he is pulled in, and he is safe. He's not saved, but he's safe. Something very profound happens in a person's life when they make the initial decision that they will serve Jesus. Now, unfortunately, in our culture, that wing of God, we have thought that to be entering into salvation. Still a sinner, but now you're saved. Well, are you saved from your sin? No, you're not. You're just saved from the attack of the devil who will try to kill you before you can enter into the covenant with God for salvation. So we find the first command of God to the children of Israel is to take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices. Now, these sacrifices that are going to be offered These are the sacrifices of consecration. These are the sacrifices of totally giving one's life into the hand of the Almighty God. Now, we're going to go much more in depth than that, but let's leave that portion right now and move on to the next portion. They are invited, or the Lord has said, Chapter 5, verse 1, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. The invitation is made to come to a festival, to a time of feasting and rejoicing in the desert. Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. In other words, now the great contest is God is saying, Look, these are my people. This is my eldest son, and I claim him, and I'm calling him to come out into the desert three-day journey where he's going to offer sacrifices. In other words, he's going to be made righteous, He's going to offer the blood. And we're going to have a festival out there. Now, what I want to share with you is that also they're being called as servants. Now, the order of this is very important, and I'm sorry, I don't have it marked, and I'm not going to take time to search for it now, but you can. Read the first part of Exodus, 5, 6, 7, 8, and you'll find that there is a three-step process. There is the call of God to come out into the desert. Then there is the call of God to offer sacrifices in the desert. And then there is the invitation that God extends to hold a festival to God, to celebrate. This is the design all through the scriptures, and I'm going to give you a New Testament example of this. This is the design of God for all of his people forever. The first step is to offer the sacrifice. And when that sacrifice is offered, there first is the safety to go forward into the desert with Jesus to then deal very seriously with him and have full repentance. (laughs) Then there is the service we give to God. We render service. So there is repentance, consecration, service, festival. Now, right now, all of us have been called by the Lord. If you are still walking in sin, to allow the wing of god to cover your life and then move out into the desert i'm going to speak very specifically about that in a moment but just stay with me we are called to go out into that desert in order to offer sacrifices the blood of jesus cleanses us from all uncleanness read carefully first john the third chapter We are cleansed of all sin. And then, there is a festival held in the desert unto the Lord. Now, that's the pattern. Let me show you that in the New Testament. In Luke, the 15th chapter, Luke, the 15th chapter, we have this incredible parable of the lost son. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give to me the part of the wealth belonging to me. None of the wealth belonged to him until his father died. But his father was kind. He divided the wealth... Not many days after having gathered everything together, this younger son went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth, living loosely. Now having wastefully spent his all, there came a severe famine throughout that country, and he began to go without. And having gone he became united with one of the citizens of that country and he sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. Pigs were the most unclean animal that could be imagined for an Israelite. They were not to eat or touch this unclean animal. So here he is. He's lost everything. There's now a famine in the land and he's starving to death. So he takes a job feeding the pigs, but he's not making enough money to pay the basic necessities. And he's hungry, and he longs to eat the same food the pigs are eating. He's so hungry. He's dying of starvation. Verse 17, But after he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants Have an abundance of bread, but I'm perishing with hunger. Now, the first step for any person who wants to to live, who wants to survive, you can live in the illusion as long as you can earn enough money to pay your way in this world. And none of us can, by the way. We all die. You can't earn enough money to stave off old age or cancer, breast cancer, liver cancer. There are many diseases that can quickly take you. Many of my classmates from high school have died, they're gone. Many of my family members, my mother, my father, they're gone. We cannot live in this land. We will die. And at some point, in the hunger of not being able to provide for ourselves life, we have to come to our senses and recognize the grave danger we're in because we can't provide life for ourselves. Life does not reside in us permanently. It is a temporary, provisional gift of life in order to prove what is in our hearts. So he recognizes he is dying. One of the first and most necessary elements if you're going to understand who God is, is you must understand that you are dying. You can stave it off for a while, but working for Pharaoh will kill you. And I know many Christians who are still working for Pharaoh, deep in debt, struggling, dying i'm going to touch on that again verse 18 this is the 15th chapter of luke verse 18 having arisen i will go to my father and i will say to him father i sinned against heaven and before you so the first step the first step is you have to come to your senses You have to go into the desert. You have to leave the world behind. And you must follow Jesus into the desert. I'm going to define carefully what that means in just a moment. You must admit that you have sinned, that you have not walked as you were called to walk by Jesus. You must recognize that you are not worthy to be called the Son of the Living God. And then you ask, Would you make me as one of your hired servants? So you must take a three day journey into the wilderness. Then you must recognize that you are a servant, not the master. After having arisen, he went to his father. But he still being a distance away, his father saw him, was moved with compassion. And having run, he fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is called repentance. This is what must happen in your life. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his, on his hand and sandals on his feet. In other words, give him a place now. He's repented. And after having brought the fatted calf, you must slaughter it. And having eaten, let us rejoice, because this son of mine was dead, but he's come to life again. He was lost and he's found, and they all began to rejoice. So the festival in the desert is the festival of feasting and celebrating that I have come into the desert, first of all. I have followed Jesus. I have repented of my sin. I've made sacrifices. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me. And then I begin to celebrate the festival of salvation. So I come, I repent, and I serve, and I say, Make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be your son. I come with a heart who will give myself for service. And then comes the rejoicing. The problem in the modern church is we have taken out, we have removed, taking the journey into the desert, and we have removed the repentance. And we've moved quickly on to the celebration. And so most churches you go to, you're going to have a long time of praise and worship by people who have never repented. And so they're dancing and shouting. They're like the world. The children of Israel were never able to grasp the understanding that they went out into the desert to be tabernacled with God. They did not go into the desert to become free. They went into the desert to serve the living God of heaven as priests. They went into that desert, to be transformed into the likeness of God. They went into that desert to be washed and cleansed and made whole. And then in that desert, they were to celebrate. They were not to celebrate the human spirit. They were to celebrate the mighty spirit of the living God who has transformed them into his likeness. And so you find Pharaoh responds in some interesting ways. I want to take you to chapter 10, to chapter 10 of Exodus. I'm going to begin reading with verse 8. Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. This is after the locusts have come down upon the land. Go worship the Lord your God, he said. But just who will you. But who will be going? Just who will be going if you go and worship? I'm. Let me find my place quickly. Okay. He says. We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. And Pharaoh said, The Lord be with you. If I let you go along with the women and the children, clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. And Moses and Aaron were driven out of the presence of Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh is saying, okay, I'll let you go out into that desert to serve the Lord. I'll let you go out a three-day journey. I'll let you go do that. But leave your wife and your kids behind. You don't take them with you. Don't take your wife and kids to church. Leave them behind. Well, it's not quite what I want at church. Really? Pharaoh says, leave them behind. Go yourself. Go by yourself. Moses says, no. We all go. Now, in 8.25, let me read this to you. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said that would not be right. The sacrifice we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. Can I tell you? The sacrifice that we offer as Christians is ugly to the world. Now, let me try to talk about this. We are to take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices. What does that mean? Well, do you know where the children of Israel were on the third day? On the morning of the third day, they woke up after they left Egypt, and they were at the Red Sea, and all night long the wind had blown, and he had opened a path through the Red Sea. A three-day journey into the wilderness brought them to the Red Sea, and they crossed over, and the water closed behind them and destroyed the army of Pharaoh. Literally, this three-day journey into the wilderness is a symbol of what every one of us must do. If we are going to follow Jesus, the world says, look, you can worship in the church right here in the world. You don't have to separate yourself from the world. You can continue to walk in your worldly ways. As one pastor said to me, I can hang with the world and I can hang with the church. I'm comfortable in both areas. I'm not. I have been ruined for the world because of my love for Jesus. When we follow out into the desert three days, the Red Sea closes behind us and we don't go back. We are separated out to God now what do i mean it's not immediately plain but as we pray about it it becomes very simple it's not complicated we worship jesus in spirit and in truth the words he spoke in the 7th chapter of john he said these are spirit we're not cannibals we don't eat the literal flesh of jesus we don't drink his actual blood. These are spiritual. So with our spirit, we utterly separate ourselves from the world and give ourselves totally into the hands of God. And it's symbolized in the Old Testament by taking a three-day journey into the wilderness where the Red Sea closes behind us, And the powers of darkness are destroyed so that they can no longer control us. And we are made clean by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifices offered. So what I'm talking about is in the spirit. If you read carefully the story of Pilgrim's Progress, it's obviously a spiritual meaning. It's a spiritual symbolism. Did he actually leave the city he lived in? No, he didn't. Bunyan didn't leave the city. He didn't physically leave his wife or his children. But in the spirit, he separated himself from the wicked, from the devil, from the flesh, from the world. In other words, He gave himself utterly and completely in his spirit to the presence and power of Almighty God. And the journey he takes in Pilgrim's Progress is a spiritual journey because the reality of the heavenly realm is more real to him than the physical world that we dwell in. Now, this is hard for many of you because You live so much in the world, so much in the flesh, giving way to every inclination of your flesh, whether it's that extra bowl of ice cream or whether it's that anger and bitterness, whether it's that cursing someone out, that's all part of the flesh. That's all part of the flesh. And as we give way to that, We're not walking in the spirit. You see, my hand doesn't operate by itself. My body does not operate by its own desires. My hand moves as my spirit tells it to move. My soul is my personality. But my spirit is what controls me. What I say, what I do, it's all controlled by my spirit. Now, the symbolism that's being used here in Exodus is that you must take a three-day journey out into the wilderness of separation. And you must take your family with you. You must take your wife and your children, mister. You've got to take them with you into the spirit realm. And you've got to teach them the things of God. You've got to read the scriptures together as a family. I can't tell you the pain and anguish of my heart as I speak with, well, I just spoke with a a woman, probably in her early thirties, mid thirties. And I said to her, are you a disciple of Jesus? And she said to me, if you mean, do I belong to the Christian church? Yes, I'm a Christian. I said, no, that's not what I ask you. I ask you, are you a disciple of Jesus? She said, well, my parents were very careful with their Christian walk. But I disagreed with them on some issues. And so I don't go to church anymore. I'm really, I have the values that I held as a Christian, but I don't walk as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus. I said, well, what about your children? Well, I'm raising my children to be good people, moral people. I said, so you're not taking your children to church? Oh, no. You're not teaching them about Jesus? Well, no. So I said, your children will grow up literally not knowing the stories of Scripture and not knowing the basic principles of living a life of discipleship to Jesus. She said, that's true. I said, well, how long are you going to do that before you recognize that you're not passing on to your children the treasures that you received because you rebelled against them and now your children, you're raising them to be little pagans. They're hell bound. She said, well, I don't like that. I said, well, it's up to you to change it. She was very sober. but I see that this is what has happened in America. It breaks my heart to see children growing up, and they're growing up as moral little pagans. And when they get older, they're going to give way to the flesh. And they're going to have some very, very difficult and tough times as they endure the plagues of God on their life, and they will come. God will bring them into judgment. And they're going to have to decide are they going to be in rebellion as Pharaoh was against the Almighty? Or are they going to humble their hearts and take that three day journey into the wilderness and be shut in with the God of heaven? A hard decision. So Pharaoh says, you don't need to go into the wilderness. You can serve God right here in the midst of the worldliness. You can bring worldly music into your church, and we have in America. We can do all of the entertainment and the jokes, and everything's happy, and everybody's doing great, and we're Christians, and we're having a good time. But you're not saved because you've never taken the journey of consecration into the desert and separated yourself from the world at a spirit level. Do you understand? You're walking in the flesh. You're doing whatever pleases you in the flesh, in your personality, but your spirit is dying. And you love the things of the world and you go to church, and it's the stuff of the world, and so you feel very comfortable there. I can't tell you how many times I've had pastors say to me, you know, Ray, if I if I preached like you do about repentance, if I preached like you do about righteousness, my church would be empty, and we would close because they will not stand that kind of preaching. Well, remember Timothy talked about that. He said in the last days, they won't put up with sound teaching. So today in the church, we've given our intellectual strategy for success. But we've not called God's people to go out into the desert and separate their spirit from that of the world and walk holy before God in the Shekinah glory of God. So, he says, look, stay right here. You're fine. Worship right here in the world. Mix it in with the world. And then when Moses says no to that, Pharaoh says, okay, you can go, guys. Just don't take your children with you. The devil wants your children, and he intends to have them. And if you're raising your children to be smart in math and science, if you're raising your children to be little scholars, but you're not also, as one man I know, sitting with his children, reading the Bible, hugging them, and talking to them about Jesus, if he didn't do that, his children would go the way of the world. I rejoice when I see parents who talk to their children about Jesus. And Jesus becomes as real as any other person in their life. They know Jesus. They lift up their voice in songs and praise and worship, even as little children, five, six, seven years old, even younger. The devil says, okay, go go do your thing, mister. Just leave your wife and your kids. Leave them to me. I'll take care of your wife and your kids. You don't have to worry about them. I got covered. Oh, and he does have it covered. Now, look with me at Exodus, the 10th chapter, verse 24. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. So now, first he says, look, just worship right here in the land. Be one with us. Mix with us. You can have worldly entertainment in your church. You can make everybody comfortable and happy. You don't have to be strong on repentance and righteousness. You don't have to talk about walking without sin. We're all struggling sinners. Come on. And then he says, okay, you want to be serious? Go on out into the wilderness, but leave your children and your wife behind. Let me handle them. Moses says no. The last ploy of the devil is, look, okay, take your wife and take your children and go to church, but leave your money here. Leave behind your livestock. Don't take your livestock. And Moses says, look, we have to take it because we need to sacrifice to God. And Pharaoh's saying, no, you don't have to sacrifice to God. You need that money. And when you come back, you're going to need your livestock to support yourself while you go back to work. That's the word of the devil today don't take a journey into the wilderness and take your money with you to pay for the work of the gospel this whole story of of moses and we'll come back again tomorrow and i'll deal more with the meaning of the plagues but we need to understand the broad outline that they are to go out into the wilderness 3-day journey that's crossing the red sea so they can't come back. Two, they go out there to serve the living God, to consecrate themselves, to give themselves utterly to the Lord God of heaven, to be priests, to be tabernacled with God. And third, they go out there to celebrate the goodness of God, to worship, to fellowship with the Almighty. This is all spirit worship. This is where you identify in your heart that you are not going to sin against the Most High. You're not going to do the worldly things, the worldly entertainment, and the world will hate you. There was a reason why they had to go a three-day journey into the wilderness, because if they had tried to offer their sacrifices there, children of Israel would have been stoned by the Egyptians. It requires great wisdom to know how to be separate in this world from the world and still maintain our love with people and call them out of the darkness and into the light. But we are called to leave that darkness, to come into the light. One of the plagues... One of the last plagues to come upon the Egyptians was three days of total darkness where no light could penetrate that darkness. The Shekinah glory of God was utterly, totally withdrawn. The the Egyptians worshipped the sun god, Ra. And so now their sun god cannot provide for them sunshine. They are in the dark. They are literally in the dark of death. If the sun does not come back out, they will die. Life cannot be maintained long-term in total darkness. They could not provide food for themselves. The food would not grow. They couldn't find their way. They would get lost and wander in the dark and die. Their bodies had to have sunshine. Their minds had to have the light of God. So finally, the Lord God of heaven is saying to Pharaoh, Look, I'm going to bring such darkness upon you for three days. And Jesus was in the grave three days. I'm going to bring you into that grave. And you're going to die. If you don't let my people go. This is a very serious issue. Moses would not settle for anything except to take his wife and his children, his money, his time, his energy, and no longer serve Pharaoh, but serve only the living God of heaven. Now, that really brings a very difficult question in the few minutes we have left. Some of you are serving Pharaoh, and your work is bitter and hard. And you know that even as you, day by day, spend your labor for Pharaoh, you're dying. Do you believe that God is willing to deliver you from that snare? Will you stand by faith that Jesus can deliver you from that snare? Well, Pastor, I'm the one that made it, and I'm responsible. No, that's why Jesus died on Calvary, because he paid the price for our foolishness. The question is, will we repent for our foolishness, and will we ask him to deliver us? I don't care if it's money, time, energy. All deliverance comes from the hand of the Lord. And one of the questions that you can ask, please, I don't mean to offend you, but one of the questions you can ask, are you reaching people in the labor that you're doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are you just working for Pharaoh as a slave? That question must be answered. You're invited to take your own life, your wife, your children, and all that you own and journey three days into the wilderness and have the world shut out where you are now fed with the manna of God, where he is the provider for you where he provides what is necessary for you to serve him in the way he has called you to serve him. And your work right now that you are doing may be what God has called you to do to serve him. But in that service, we are called to be fishers of men. And so there should be fruit being born that builds his church. Is that happening for you? And each of us have to be utterly honest with ourselves, not with me, but with Jesus. Have you taken that three-day journey? Did you leave your wife and your kids behind? Have you taken that three-day journey through the grave of Jesus, through the crucifixion, through the resurrection, Are you trusting Jesus by faith to be your provision and to carry you safely into the promised land? Well, I know things I've shared with you today are not simple things, they're understood in the Spirit. Do you walk in the flesh or do you walk in the Spirit? Is your heart given to rage and anger and bitterness, or is your heart at peace with Jesus? How are you with Jesus today? Let me pray with you. Almighty God, I'm praying that everyone who has listened to this broadcast will comprehend what I'm saying to them today about taking that journey into you where we are utterly separated from the world, where the world is cut off, and we no longer engage in the wickedness of the world, but we in our spirit are utterly given over to you, Jesus, in glorious obedience and service, covered by your blood, healed by your stripes, set free, Lord God, set free, from the slavery of Pharaoh and the world and the flesh and the devil. Lord God, set your people free today. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Would you share this message with a friend if you think it would be helpful to them? And would you subscribe to this YouTube channel? I'd love to have you subscribe. I'd also like to hear from you. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195? Or would you go to the uh, Google and just Google National Prayer Chapel and up will come a map and the time of service. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.